Today, it's certainly a, a day that we uh, honor those who have given so much for the freedom in which we enjoy today. And it's never until you really take time do you realize the freedom that we are, that we really enjoy. The freedom to wake up and to go to our workplaces and the freedom to wake up and to come to a place of worship. The freedom that we have to make the choices that we decide to make is truly a freedom that we should never, ever take for granted. And today, more than anything, our church wants you to know that we salute you and that we're thankful for what you've done for our country. Today, and just for a few moments, I promise you I'm not going to be long, and our church is laughing now. Um, I want to share with you just a few thoughts. Uh, we uh, started a series of messages last week on thankfulness and thanksgiving, celebrating the goodness of God. And today I want to speak to you on a subject, and, and you say, Pastor, is this going to correlate? It is, if you'll just give me a little bit of time to, to weave it all together. But I want to speak to you on the subject of when it takes faith to give thanks. When it takes faith to give thanks. You know, when we, we think about our troops and we think about men and women in service and we think about all they go through. And, and uh, you know, I, I think there's a side of our military that we don't ever hardly get to see. And uh, that side of that military is we see them strong, we see them tough, we see them fighting, we see them uh, as we watch pictures and all the different things, and, and we see them as they are as a soldier. But you know what? I believe with all my heart in order to be a soldier, there is a side of you of kindness and generosity and love that I don't think any of us really can even comprehend. To take their whole life that they've lived up to the point of 18, 19, 20 years old, some earlier than that, and say, you know what, my life is no longer mine. I'm giving it to and for my country. And you know what the truth is, is that when they enlist and they take off and, and uh, they go through boot camp and they do all the different things that they have to do in order to prepare for service, they never know what the end is going to be for them. They don't know if it's going to be a time of celebration at retirement. They don't know if it's going to be in a hospital somewhere as a wounded soldier or a veteran. They do not know if that one day they're going to give their life for our country. And I would dare say, as it is in our own lives, in many cases, as we fight battles and struggles and stress in our life, sometimes it just takes faith to give thanks to God for our circumstances. You see, we're prone to give thanks at the moment of blessing. We don't have any problems giving thanks when things are going great. But it really doesn't uh, take faith to give thanks in that moment. But it certainly requires faith to be thankful when the outcome has yet to be revealed. John Wooden, the UCLA basketball coach, said it this way. He said, if we magnified blessings as much as we magnified disappointments, we would be much happier. And boy, I, I don't know if there's any other truth uh, that could be relayed this morning. That if we were to, to stop and magnify our blessings as much as we magnify disappointments or negativity in our life, we would be much happier. In the late 1800s, George Mueller, he was a missionary, he operated an orphanage that at one time had a thousand plus orphans. His workers warned him one evening that they had no uh, food for the morning meal on the next day. 
He called all the children and the staff together. Imagine thousand plus people and there's no food for breakfast the next day. They have nothing. And they prayed and they thanked God for the provision of food. I can only imagine being on staff there and him praying and thanking God for the food and me looking down and going, what food? Where's the food? But George Mueller had faith. Even though no food was on the table, a few minutes later, a man knocked on the door. He was a driver of a bakery wagon, and while taking bread to the market, his wagon just happened to break down right in front of the orphanage. And he said, this bread will be spoiled if it's not eaten. Do you know anyone who might be hungry? George Mueller said he gave thanks for the food. That was provided for those children. You see, he gave thanks even when it took faith to give thanks. Ralph Emerson said it this way. When it's dark enough in our lives, you can certainly see the stars. You can certainly see the stars. As we reflect today on honoring those who have and are currently serving our country, it can be said that many times in their lives, in the midst of great adversity... That it was, difficult, it was difficult to give thanks. But through faith, they found a way to overcome. And I would say to us today that today, that is our challenge. If you have your Bibles, Daniel chapter number 6 this morning. The book of Daniel chapter number 6. When you find Daniel chapter number 6, if you'll stand with me. Daniel chapter number 6. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. If you do not have your Bibles this morning, no worries. It will be right on the screen for you here in just a moment. Daniel chapter number 6, we're just going to read a few verses, and you're going to recognize the story right away. Daniel chapter number 6, starting in verse number 4. The Bible says this, Then the presidents and princesses sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, for they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. What a testimony. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Verse number six. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto the king, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdoms and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together. You know when that happens, trouble's on the rise. To establish a royal statue and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So they were saying, listen, if anybody uh, 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 prays or says anything to any other king besides you, O king, O great one, O wonderful man, we're going to put him in the den of lions, knowing that Daniel would not give in. Now, O king, verse 8, establish the decree and sign the writing that it, may not be, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Verse number 10, and we're done here. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being open in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees Three times a day and prayed and did what? Gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Father, we love you. I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. I pray that you'll bless these few moments that we have together. May you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Here's Daniel. Daniel is being faithful to God. He's doing everything that, that a man can possibly do to, to remain faithful and pure before God. And yet, people are out to get him. People are, are, are being vengeful. And here the decree is signed by King Darius, and it cannot be changed according to the Medes and Persians. And so it cannot be changed. And so what happens? What is the result of all of that? Daniel says, you know what? I'm going to take great faith, and I'm going to give thanks in spite of someone putting a bounty on my head for death. And that is what I want to tell you this morning, that in the midst of our adversity, in the midst of anything that we're going through, that, that truly thankfulness can reign through. If you're in the habit of taking notes, if you've got a bulletin this morning on the back side of that bulletin, there's an outline. Number one, thankfulness in the midst of opposition. Thankfulness in the midst of opposition. When I think about our soldiers here this morning, and I think about our soldiers that are all across the world today... They are facing opposition in their lives. They are facing the opposition. They are, they are facing it head on. They're not turning and running. They, they are facing it right in front of them. And in the midst of their circumstances, in the midst of everything that they're going through, there is going to come a day on Thanksgiving Day, and if you watch any of the football games and you watch any of the other sporting events going on, they will begin to show you pictures and they will begin to show you video of these men sitting and giving thanks for what God or what in their mind is doing for their lives and keeping them safe. Can I tell you that in the midst of their opposition, they are still able to give thanks. And no matter how difficult our lives get, no matter what circumstances are faced, we can still be thankful in the midst of our opposition. Daniel was a young and godly Jew who lived in Babylon during the time of captivity. Throughout his life, he had lived with integrity. Now in his 80s, he is still facing opposition. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, I, I don't know if you know that Daniel was uh, about in his early to mid-80s whenever he was uh, 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 bowing inside of this window and still praying to God. I hear people say, well, God, God can't do much with me because of my age. Listen, I don't believe that God has ever done with anybody until he takes us home. So, so no matter where you're at in your life, you can remain faithful and true to him. Letter A, opposition because of envy. Opposition because of envy. These men were envious of Daniel. They were envious of what was happening in Daniel's life. Daniel's integrity made him a target. Can I tell you that integrity is such an important aspect of a soldier's life and in our lives today, the Lord desires integrity in all of us. I would tell you this morning that above anything outside of your salvation, you should be a man and woman of integrity. You should be a man and woman that, that, that has integrity. Listen, our world needs people that has integrity in their lives. People that remain true and people that remain faithful. The Lord desires that even in the midst of our troubles. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 4, the Bible says, Wrath is cruel and anger is, anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? Envy is a dangerous thing. Uh, uh, not only that, opposition, not only because of envy, but oppos opposition because of godliness. Opposition because of godliness. When people decide to take a stand for God, there is going to be opposition. You see, the Persians, they resented Daniel's commitment to God. Yet in faith... Daniel gives thanks to the Lord. Sometimes it takes real faith to be thankful for the circumstances that you have 
in your life because the opposition is going to happen. Can I tell you that there is an enemy? Uh, 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 there is an enemy that, that the Bible says is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He is trying to devour us as Christians. But what we have to do is we have to say, listen, I'm not going to worry about the opposition. I'm not going to let it overcome me. I'm going to continue to be thankful, and I'm going to continue to praise my God. I don't know about you, but there is nothing in my life that changes the way I feel about a circumstance uh, other than the fact when I start praising God. When I start praising him, you say, Pastor, you don't know where I'm at in my life. You don't know how the walls are caving in around me. I may not, but this one thing I know is that when I lift Jesus Christ up, when I begin to praise his name, all of my troubles and worries begin to cease because he overcomes and he overtakes. And he says, listen, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. I love that verse. Cast all your care upon me because I care for you. It is a personalized verse. It is a verse that we can gravitate to. If you decide to take a stand for Christ, not everyone is going to agree or even understand. And opposition may arise in your life, but remain faithful and true. If you came in this morning and you may have told somebody, I'm going to go to church today because they're honoring the veterans and they're, 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 uh, 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 I'm going to be with my family or I'm going to this or that. You may have faced a little bit of opposition. Some may have said, why, why, do you want to, why do you want to do that? Why do you want to be involved in something like that? Listen, opposition will come. But when opposition comes, remain faithful and true to God. Now in Daniel, Daniel chapter 6 and verse number 10, it's my favorite verse in this passage of scripture. That when the writing was signed, he, he, was, he obviously knew it was signed. He obviously knew what was happening. He went into his house and he didn't close his windows. Did you see that? Some of us would have went in our house and closed our windows. We might even put new curtains up that blacked it out. I'm just being real with you this morning. Are you with me? You know? We might have went down to the Home Depot and got us a soundproof room. Right? No. You know what he did? The door, or excuse me, the windows were open. And he went to his window the same window he had been going to for since, since he had been doing this. And he kneeled down, the Bible says, upon his knees. Meaning that he wasn't hiding under the window. Right? He was on his knees. And the Bible says he gave thanks before his God as he had done before. This is what Daniel said. Daniel said, I'm not going to let the circumstances change me. I'm not going to allow the difficulty and the opposition to change who I am. In the face of a death sentence, Daniel kneels, I love what it says, toward Jerusalem. Toward Jerusalem. And he knew the decree had been signed, and then he prayed courageously courageously. George Herbert, he wrote a little poem and it says this, that thou hast given so much to me, give one thing more, a grateful heart, not thankful when it pleaseth me, as if thy blessings had spare days, but such a heart whose pulse may be thy praise. That everything that I do Bears praise to Jesus Christ. Number two, and I'm going to be quick. Thankfulness in the midst of uncertainty. 
thankfulness in the midst of uncertainty. Daniel didn't know how the story was going to turn out. You know, so many times we read Bible stories, and this is one of those stories that we like to call a kid's story, you know. Oh, Daniel played three times a day. You know, he was kneeling, and that's great for the kids, you know. And we forget to apply it to our own lives. We're like, well, Daniel knew that, you know, he was going to go to the lion's den. And then Daniel knew that God was going to shut the mouth. Of course he knew that. No, Daniel didn't know that. All Daniel knew is that he was going to pray. And that if he prayed, the decree said, if you prayed, you were going to be thrown into the lion's den. He knew the, the, uh, the punishment for following through on the prayer. But he did not have the book of Daniel. Are you with me? He didn't have it. You know what he did? He said, it doesn't matter how it turns out. I am going to obey. Doesn't matter to me how it's going to turn out. I'm going to trust God. You see, Rick, uh, Richard Bach, the great musician, said it this way. Every problem has a gift for you in its hand. Every problem has a gift for you in its hands. Every problem. There, when there is a problem, there's always a solution. When there's a problem, there's always an opportunity. And we just have to trust God with it. Daniel didn't know what the outcome would be, but he trusted God. Daniel had personally learned this truth. Now, th this is where I really want to drive home. And if you don't get anything else out of this message, I really want you to get this. Because this, this is like one of those moments where you go, oh, I get it now. You see, Daniel had faced opposition before. We're here and we're like, why in the world would God allow Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den? And how did Daniel have enough faith to get into the lion's den? Oh, but we forgot. There were some boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember that kid's story? That's not a kid's story, it's truth. You remember that they were headed to the fiery furnace? And, 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 and here they are, and, and Daniel did not know the outcome of the fiery furnace either because he still didn't have the book of Daniel. He was still trying to trust God through it all. So what happened? Daniel goes into the fire. The king says, wait a minute. Hold up. I put three in there. Why are there four hanging out in my fire? Who is that fourth man? That was God showing up on the scene. God showed up on the scene. You say, Pastor, is that a true story? I'm glad you asked. Daniel chapter number three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. He wanted everybody to bow down. If it be so, our God, listen to this, whom we serve is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of, oh, I love this, your hand, O king. I don't want to be disrespectful. But if not, be it known unto thee. He said, hey, even if he doesn't deliver us, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Daniel said, you know what? Tell me the consequences. It's okay. Even if my own life is taken, I cannot and I will not. You say, Pastor, where did he get the faith to do that? Rewind to Daniel chapter number one. 
And as Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat of the king's meat or drink of the king's wine. You know, when Daniel started, Daniel started young in his life. And he said, no matter the opposition, you can try to feed me wrong. You can try to put me in the fire. You can try to feed me to lions. And I'm okay with that because I serve a big God. Listen, I don't think any of you have been faced with the fiery furnace. I don't think any of you have been thrown into a lion's den. Why is it that we give up so easily on God when God is the one who can deliver us from everything? Thanks in uncertain circumstances. Thanks in uncertain circumstances when we're not sure of our circumstances. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be, named, be, named, uh, excuse me, be made known unto God. God wants to hear from you. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Charles Dickens said it this way, reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has plenty, not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. He said, listen, don't, don't reflect on your past and the negative things, reflect on the blessings. I've said it many times from this pulpit, we cannot live our lives looking in the rearview mirror, we have to live our lives looking ahead. Thanks in every circumstance and everything that happens in our lives, we should be thankful. We should give thanks to God in every circumstance because we understand that it is his will. You say, Pastor, you, you really think that what's happening in my life is God's will? Well, the truth of the matter is, is that you have to understand that your ways are not his ways. You have to understand that anything that you're going through is the will of God for your life. You say, Pastor, can you prove that? First Thessalonians 5.18, I preached on this last week. In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is what? The will of God in Christ Jesus. It is the will of God for your life. We should give thanks to God in every circumstance. Because we also understand that is the way of the Christian. That is exactly what we are told to do. The Lord has instructed us as Christians to be thankful and rejoice in every situation in our life. Colossians chapter 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith. As you have been taught according therein with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I was in Nicaragua some, a few years back. And while I was there... Uh, there were children everywhere with nothing, literally playing in, in, in the ditches and in the sewers. And one of the teenage girls I was with, as this little girl was playing, and I mean, it was a terrible situation. Uh, we, we would never, in, in, our, in, in, in our minds, be able to fathom the things that I began to see while I was there. And the, little, the teenage girl that was with me, she leaned down to this little girl, and she said, what is your name? And there was a translator with us, and the little girl turned back. And the translator said, her name is Rejoice. And I'll never forget, the little girl, <laughs> I can say it like it was yesterday. The little girl looked at the teenage girl that I was with. And when she said her name, this, the biggest smile came across her face. Her name is Rejoice. Listen, I can rejoice in my circumstances. Thirdly, and I'm done, thankfulness in the midst of waiting. When things are difficult, when things are tough in my life, I can give thanks to God in the midst of waiting for him to do what he's going to do. To show up on the scene. 
What are we supposed to do here while we wait on the Lord? While we wait for him in the midst of our circumstance, we are to remain thankful. Albert Einstein said it this way, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. Everything is a miracle. Everything that happens in our life is on purpose for God. First of all, we have grace from Christ. We have grace from Christ. Let me share with you this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by who? Christ Jesus. Listen to me, church, this morning. I promise you I'm almost done. Listen to me, though. Some of you walked through these doors today, and I've never met you before. And I want to say that I'm so thankful that you're here today. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that in the midst of all the honoring that we're doing today, in the midst of, uh, of, of the patriotic, if I didn't tell you that there is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell. And we all choose our destination. You see, the Bible says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Christ Jesus. That grace came on a cross. That grace came because Jesus, as we're going to be celebrating in a, in a couple of months, he was born in a manger. That is not a fictional story. That is a true story. He was born in the lowliest of places in a manger. He lived 33 and a half years. He went to the cross. He was on that cross. They nailed his feet. They nailed his hands. He stood on that cross or, 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 or nailed to that cross. And he looked out amongst the crowd as they were ridiculing him and mocking him. The man that was without sin. The man who had given his life for the ransom of many. And he looked down from that cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And can I tell you something today, church? That our God the Father is in heaven with Jesus sitting at his right hand, or Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for us, and he's saying the same words. He's saying, Father, please forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it is our choice, it is our uh, responsibility to say, God, I realize that because of you, and only because of you, I can have hope. You see, we have to realize, according to Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners today. We've all done wrong. And then Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, the Bible says that God commendeth, or he showed his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then in Romans chapter number 6 and verse number 23, he says our payment for sin, the wages of sin is death. If it all stopped there, we'd have no hope. There would be no reason to come to church. There would be no reason to say that we have a Savior. Because our payment for sin is death. And we're all born that way because of Adam and Eve. But then he puts a semicolon and a conjunction. And he says, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says in John chapter number 14, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Romans chapter number 10, he concludes with this thought. He says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's an imperative, an emphatic verb, shall be saved. It will happen. And not only will it happen, it will happen immediately. 
I'll put my name there. You can put your name there. For if Lee shall call upon the name of the Lord, Lee shall be saved. Not only that, we have victory in Christ, and I'm done. We have victory in Christ. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I've had that moment with God, but I'm really struggling in my life. Can I tell you that we have victory in Christ? I've read the last book of the or last chapter of the book of Revelation. I know who wins this battle. And it's Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us, Now thanks be unto God, which also, also caused, or excuse me, always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. I'm going to close with this story. I heard a story once that I believe is so applicable because I know that so many are going through struggles in their lives and many of you probably brought in your struggles into our church this morning and you're just looking for some relief. You're looking for someone to say, it's going to be okay. You're looking for someone to say, what do I do with this problem? What do I do with this struggle in my life? I believe this kind of sums it all up in waiting on the Lord in the midst of our circumstances. You'll have to apologize, I'll have to apologize for you. I'm a huge football fan, and so when I, when I use analogies, many times they're sports-related. But I think you'll understand it once you, once you understand the story. In Hawaii, because of the time difference with the continental U.S., the NFL Monday Night Football game is played mid-afternoon. So the local TV station delays its telecast until 6.30 in the evening. This is a first-person story. as someone telling it. He says, when my, favorite team play, when my favorite team plays, I'm too excited to wait for television. So I'll listen to the game on the radio, which broadcasts it live. Then because they're my favorite team, I'll watch the game on television when I get home too. Now this is what he said, and this is what really caught me. He said, if I know my team has won the game... It influences how I watch it on television. If my team fumbles the ball or throws an interception, it's not a problem. I think that's bad, but it's okay because in the end, I know we win. You say, is there a chapter and verse for that, Pastor? Absolutely. John chapter 16 and verse number 33. These things have I spoken to you that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. <laughs> Listen to me, church, this morning. Listen to me. We have victory in Jesus. We have victory in Jesus. We have it. Stop living in defeat. Because we have victory. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I've never had that experience or that encounter with Jesus before. Listen, you can have the greatest victory in your life today that you've ever had before. And if you're here today and you're saved and you say, I'm just going through it. I'm struggling today, Pastor. Can I tell you, leave it at his feet because victory is the Lord's. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Thank you for listening so well. Victory is the Lord's. It's all his. Listen, don't live your life looking at the negative aspects of it. Look at your life looking at how God is blessing you and the thankfulness that we have and the blessings that we have that in return we can thank God for. If you're a member of our church or have been coming to our church for some time, you know something about me, and that's this. 
that in these very precious moments that I count to be very precious, I never embarrass anybody. I would never call you by name. I would never call you out. I would never come to you after church and talk to you about anything unless you decided you needed someone to talk to. However, I do believe with all my heart that this is a moment of decision. We're all faced with those in our lives where we reach a moment, we reach a crossroads, and we're faced with that moment of decision. Can I tell you that God has given you an opportunity this morning at that crossroad to make a decision for your life. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's not a magic formula. There's not something that you have to go out and do. For God, the Bible says in John chapter number 3, so loved the world that he gave, it's a free gift, his only son, that if you, you believe in him, you will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. It's not a secret. I don't want it to be a secret. I want you to understand that Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you and he cares for you. Not for the person sitting next to you and over here and over there. Well, that's my mom and dad or that's my sister. No, 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 no. You, right there in your seat. It's you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's the greatest decision that you could ever make. The Bible says that we believe in our heart that Jesus is who he says he is. And that we call upon him in the very quietness of an hour. So if you're here today and you don't know him as your personal savior, this can be your moment. You would just repeat a simple prayer. I want you to know it's not the prayer that saves you by any stretch of the imagination. It's what you believe in your heart. You would just pray something like this. You would say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of your savior. I'm in need of Jesus Christ. And I'm inviting you to come into my life and save me. It's a belief. Believing that Jesus is who he says he is. And if you're going to pray that prayer today, it's a prayer that can change your life forever. And it doesn't stop there. The Christian life is not just a meeting place with Jesus. It's a lifelong destination. It's a lifelong journey. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I've, I, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. And I've ran. I got, I got hurt. Things happened in my life. And I, I, I gave up on God. I gave up on believing in church. I gave up in believing that God really does care for me and love me. Listen to me today. I'm talking to you. Listen to me. God has not given up on you. You may think you can give up on God, but God never gives up on you. He's waiting for you. He's begging you to come back. To run into his open arms. And say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But I'm coming home. I'm no longer going to run. I'm no longer going to flee. I'm no longer going to uh, 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 
be upset or mad or, 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 or be concerned about my prior circumstances and situations that left me burdened. No, I'm going to put it all behind me and I'm going to press towards the mark. Maybe you're here today and you came in with a heavy burden. You're loaded down today with care. Maybe it's time to give it to God. Whatever your need is today, you can make a change. And it can change today. Would you stand with me this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed? You can do business with God right there in your pew. You can do business with God right down here at this old-fashioned altar. But could I ask you this, that right after we pray, if you need to seek God, if you need to trust Him in this circumstance, if you need to give Him something, now is the time. Because once we say amen and we break and there's all these other things going on, it could just be a fleeting thought. And I don't want it to be a fleeting thought. I want it to be a lasting decision in your life. I want it to be a decision that says, today I'm changing. And I'm going to make that decision right now. Whether it's there where you're at or right down here, that's up to you. <coughs> Excuse me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray. After I pray, I'm going to ask you to remain your head bowed and eyes closed. Pastor Parker's just going to sing silently, or quietly, excuse me. And then we're going to pray. And then we're going to have our invitation. Would you just allow God to do his work as only he can? Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you that the word of God is still true and applicable in our lives. And God, I pray that you will help us today to tap into who you are. And Lord, not leave this place until we've made the decision that you have called us to make. Because Lord, we know that you have the victory. Lord, we know you have everything that we could ever need. Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us.